want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you will be both encouraged and challenged. We would really love it too if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy the message today. We've got a couple more messages to go in this series. I've really enjoyed this series. We've been asking a question. The question has been, what does a good life look like? Uh, I've always started every one of these messages off with a little disclaimer, because uh, in real reality, this does make a lot of people nervous. And the reason why this question makes a lot of, ner- a lot of people nervous is because what you may think is a good life may not be what other body, somebody else thinks is a good life. Okay? Especially in today's eggshell world, somebody is bound to get upset with the fact that we just ask this question. Would you agree? But the reason that we can ask this question in this building, okay, and amongst our friends that are believers is because we are really looking for this answer according to what God says. I think this is a great question to ask everyone, but the problem is, is not everybody wants to know what God wants for their life. Here's what I'm assuming in you, is that you do want to know what God says about your life, okay? And if you're in this room and you're like, I'm not sure I even know God. I'm, I'm confused. I'm frustrated. I've got questions. I got questions about dinosaurs. I got questions about who wrote the Bible. I get it. We all have questions. We all have questions. But the fact is, is that at, there's something inside that got you here today. Maybe it was an invitation. Perhaps it was an invitation from someone who you just turned and said, I like how they live life. I like how they make decisions. I, I like how they do something stupid and then feel bad about it. I've never seen anybody that felt bad about it before. And they feel bad. There's just something about conviction. I've never been in a family that had conviction before. Whatever it is, if you look at this and you go, I just am fascinated and interested in how believers search through God's word and come up with great answers to questions like this. So today, we're going to go back to the books of wisdom. And uh, we've really been focusing on Proverbs. We've been talking about Ecclesiastes and Job. But these are the books of wisdom. I really want to encourage you. These are the books that for thousands and thousands and thousands of years have been the books that people have patterned their life after when it comes to these great answers that are found in Proverbs. It's a great read, okay? It's these little nuggets that I just want to tell you. Proverbs is a book that you need to read just a little chunk at a time. Because if you're like me, you're going to read one and then forget it 12 later. Okay, so I just kind of go four at a time and I keep notes on the side and I draw pictures and I, I, it's just really cool. It's really cool um, to study Proverbs. But today, what does a good life look like? We're going to dive into the subject of something that I think is very important when it comes to something that can wreck you or something that can help you. And today we're going to talk about money. Here we go. We ready? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, This is one of those topics. This is one of those things. But Lord, you are the God that has wisdom over 
money. Open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive, and Father, today I pray that you soften us to be able to be a sponge and absorb the fact that you want to show us what a good life looks like in regards to money. Lord, we love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I've been pastoring for 21 years now. I've been married to Heather just under those years, like 20 years. You know, we're getting close to 20. And, and then if you add to, before I became a pastor at Cali Junction, did a lot of ministry, a lot of ministry. And all those years, uh, let me just jump right out and just tell you, when it comes to money, okay, when it comes to money, I have seen money be one of the coolest tools God used in people's life. I have seen some of the most amazing things done because somebody had money. I've seen, I've seen people that helped in a surgery for somebody to get their eyesight back. I've seen people pay for cars that helped someone get down the road to what they were called to do. I've seen hospitals being built. It's, it's just fascinating when the right people get together and just say, we need, we need good quality care. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, these things are happening. That, that It's phenomenal what I have seen when money is used in some phenomenal ways. Okay, But let me just throw this in there. I have also, and also in my life, seen money destroy people's life. Okay. I have seen people in one moment turn, backslide, get darn right arrogant and prideful. Uh, these are people who were good people, and they were friends, and they were wonderful. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you had experiences like this too. But I have literally seen money destroy people's life. Okay? Now, for the college kids that are here, let me just tell you. Um, Martin Luther said something really cool that I, I thought was interesting. Martin Luther led the Protestant Reformation. And this is a guy that was really conservative, really conservative. But he said this. He said, make all the money you can, save all the money you can, and give all the money you can. That comes from Martin Luther. So that's, that's a pretty cool deal. But Martin Luther went back, as he got older, he went back and he began to talk about the things that he had seen in his life to where the power of money contorted people's hearts. And so the reason why I'm really glad that your college kids are here and wherever the college kids are sitting throughout the place, uh, the young folks, um, I hope you go out and make as much money as you can. I really do. But I hope you don't stop there. Because a lot of people think that making money and making as much as you can is the victory, is the win category of life, okay? But the thing that I want to bring up today is we're looking at what does a good life look like, okay? And it's not how much you can make, it's what you do with it that really defines the legacy you're going to leave in life. And, and you could even not make a lot of money, but it still boils down to with what you did make, what did you do with it? And that's why we're talking about this today, because I want you to breathe your last breath and know that you gave God your best. You were a good steward. You thought this through, and you studied what does a good life look like when it comes to finances. Let me, let me give you a point, okay? And, and this is something I want to ask everybody in the room. Is money your master, or is it your tool? That, that is a great question. And it's something that I think you always have to ask yourself. You can be the richest person in the room, okay? And this question still has to be asked. 
is money your master or is money a tool? But then the flip side is you can be the poorest person in the room, okay? And you still have to ask this question. Is money your master or is money a tool? And the reason why the poor have to ask it as well is because if we're not careful, we cannot have any money, but money has this ability to constantly be in our thoughts, constantly be in our heart. It manipulates us. It contorts us. It causes us to question God. We get angry. We get, mad. We get angry at people that do have something. We get frustrated. We get lazy. We quit to, but wait too soon. And the fact is, is that this question is something every one of us should ask. And I want you to just right now, what's your knee-jerk reaction? Does money master you? What do you think about all the time? What's in your heart? How do, when you think of something, are you always living in a uh, want, 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 want. Do you ever get what you want? And then it's like as soon as you get what you want, it's like you can't even enjoy it because you're just now going to the next want that you have. Life can be so miserable and, not ha- and you don't have any money for no other reason than you live in a constant life of wanting more and wanting and wanting and wanting. I, I, I've been in those places to where I wanted something and I got it. So then just not even think about how cool that moment is because ma- money mastered me so much. So, so we're going to talk about this today. And we're going to look at scriptures, specifically in Proverbs, because Proverbs has some great wisdom in our life to make sure that money is always a tool and never a master in our life. Okay. So the first place I want to go is where are you right now? Everybody say now. And the reason why this is so important is you can't do anything about yesterday. We're really trying to make some decisions for tomorrow, but it all wraps around where are you right now, okay? And then and the thing that I want to ask you is, is, it, is money a master or a tool in your life? And one way that money can be a master, a master is, is through debt, okay? And, and that's the first thing. We've got to learn that debt is not where God wants us to be. Now, let me throw a disclaimer out here, okay? My family was, I, I was not born in this world with money, okay? We weren't broke. We weren't poor. Um, we, we were normal, I, I guess. And <laughs> there, when I lived, when I was with mom, it was, it was hard. I mean, a single mother. But honestly, there are some things I want to say about borrowing money that when you don't have any money, that's the only way to get the money in order to do something that's going to make you money. Okay? Now, the reason why I bring this up, and I'm going to continue with this, is look at what I found in Proverbs. Proverbs says this in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The first thing we're going to learn from this scripture is God's best in your life is not to be in debt. Okay, And in the world we live in today, some people don't know any different. They were born in debt, raised in debt, and they die in debt, and they don't know any different. And God's best is not for you to be mastered with your money, especially in the category of having someone that you owe money to, whether it be a bank or a neighbor or a family member or whatever the case may be, could be a credit card, 
God's best is not for you to be in debt. However, if you don't have money, but you've got a great money-making idea, there are some great institutions out there who want to help you do what it is you're called to do. And borrowing money to make money is one of the very wise things. However, let me speak to everybody in the room that is right now managing a 30-year debt on your house, and it's going to take you 30 years to pay off a 30-year debt. That is not God's best for your life. The fact is, is that the approach that we have to take is the approach that this says, as long as you owe money, you, are, you have somebody that is in control of your life. You can't give God yeses when you owe somebody else your yes. You can't say yes to God and all the things he wants you to do if you owe, if you keep having to give your yes to the one who owns the debt, okay? But if we take this to heart and realize this is my opportunity to focus on this debt and to pay this debt off as fast as I can, you realized the power of turning and leveraging something to where one of the coolest experiences in your life, and let me tell you, Heather and I get to experience this, is to be completely debt-free. There's a point to where you get your paycheck in the mail, okay, and you don't have to rush to the bank to deposit it. It is so cool to know that you can wad it up, stick it in your pocket, carry it around for two weeks, and you don't have to cash it because nobody needs your money. And God wants you to know the freedom that comes with this, Okay? So the first thing is, and we're going to get to this, we've got to learn how to get out of doubt. Second one is we've got, to, we've got to get on a budget. Okay, This is what we can do now. You know what a budget does? Is a budget sets in order the knowledge we need to know exactly where we're at right now. This is boring stuff. This is the kind of stuff that Clay Harden gets excited about. He's like on the front row going, you preach it, Ty. You preach it. This is good. And, and the fact is that for 99% of the people, it's like, come on. I came to church tonight for this. Do you realize that there are people who can't give God a yes because, number one, their yes belongs to somebody else, okay? And they don't even know the present condition of where they're at to know even where's up and where's down. Let me show you a scripture, okay, found in Proverbs. This is a book of wisdom, and it says something really cool in Proverbs chapter 27. It says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. He's saying, hey, you've got to be diligent to go walk out into the field and know how your herd lives, breathes. Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Where are the holes in the fence? Where are the leaks in the water line? How's the grass growing? Is it green? Is it oxidized? Are they able to make a living based on what you're feeding them? Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. This is a scripture about herdsmanship. It's an agricultural phrase letting you know that every great rancher and farmer knows the condition of its flocks. And you may unplug from this and go, I've got nothing in common with this. You've got everything in common. It's telling you to walk amongst your life and to see where the holes in the fences are, to pay attention to the open gates where things can get out. And have you heard, have you heard the phrase, when I get a paycheck, when I get money, it feels like sand through my fingers. It just seeps out and it's gone. It's just gone. This is the illustration for herdsmanship. 
At some point, you need to mend the fences. You need to get a better budget. You need to understand where, what's going on in your life. So that, let's go back to those two. We got them. So we can get out of debt, we've got to learn, first sit, figure out and, and ask ourselves a question. Where is it all going? You, you know why this is hard? Because some people, when they figure out where it's all going, they realize that they love where it's all going more than being free from the debt. And this takes a moment we have to ask ourselves a question. Am I living the best life God has for me? Not caring where it's all going? But what if? What if we were able to sit down and put a budget together and live by that budget to become debt-free, to be able to give God more yeses in our life? That's what a great life looks like. Third thing in the now, okay? We've got to save our money. And let me just congratulate the millennials. Seriously, uh, the millennial generation is the first generation that has ever been the youngest generation to save money like no other generation there's ever been, believe it or not. The millennial generation is fully aware that you got to put money back. The problem is you're not making any money, okay? So we got to get you to make money, but you have the discipline to put money back. If you turn to a millennial and say, how much money have you put back? They say, well, about $43. And that's awesome. I mean, that's really good. And let me tell you why that's such a big deal. is because if we get out of debt and we get on a budget, then we're able to save money. And Proverbs tells us this. The person who saves money is wise. And it says this in Proverbs. It says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little, little by little, little by little, little by little, will increase it, okay? So it says, you know, in our generation, it was the 80s, everybody was getting rich quick, and you know what happened is we spent it just as quick, okay? But pay attention, if you're in this room, you know, I've been saving for four months and I've got $46 in the savings. Time out. You're doing awesome. You're doing incredible. But if we can start setting goals little by little, little by little, we can start finding ourselves being in a place to where all of a sudden we find that we have set up a cushion. We have set up an emergency fund. We're now putting back for something that's going to be a big deal someday. Let me, let me ask you this question, okay? This is, this is huge. And this has a lot to do with uh, saving. What would you like to do next year for your summer in 2020? I'm going to start casting vision. And I want you to think, what if, what if you got to do some stuff for God through God because of God, that was never a thought in your mind until you began to prioritize the little things. Here's an idea. What if you got to go to Africa on a mission trip to go help drill a well and see things you've never seen before? The leap of faith, a 16-hour plane ride, you're praying to God the whole time, oh God, please don't let him eat me. Please don't let him eat me, God. Please don't let him eat me. And, and guess what? They didn't eat you as an answer to prayer. It's so awesome. They're the sweetest, kindest, most wonderful people in the world, but your small town mentality said that it's going to be scary and you find out they're just like you. 
And all of a sudden, you come back a completely different person, and your faith is larger than it's ever been. And you walk back into the same school, the same work, the same family that you left for two weeks. And they turn to you, and they say, you look different. And you don't feel different. You're still the same old you. And they go, there's something about you. And all of a sudden, you realize, if I wouldn't have got out from owing somebody and was free to be able to get in a budget, to be able to save money, I wouldn't have got to experience something I never would have got to experience before in my life. This is what a good yes looks like. There's one more thing on what can we do now. We can start giving. We can start giving God our best thoughts. What would happen if your brain finally freed up? to quit always thinking about debt and who you owe and how are we going to make it this month to all of a sudden the freedom of knowing. I don't even think about money anymore. We just keep putting it back and I can give God my best thoughts. And all of a sudden your prayer time isn't wrapped around and Father, give me this day my daily bread. No, serious God, give me this day my daily bread. No, God, I'll take anything. I'll take a little loaf, a big loaf. Give me this day my, my daily bread. And what if you just rattled right through that and you got to the point to where, and, and your kingdom come and your will be done, and, and, and you got to the end where it says, and uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, and all, amen. And you begin to think in the vision sense instead of the getting out of debt sense. And you begin to give God your best heart because you're free from the obligation of debt anymore. What if we begin to give God our best financially? I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to talk about this, okay? So I'm going to save a little bit. So we just got through talking about the now. Now I want to talk about the then. Because if we're in the now, okay, there's also a then. And Proverbs tells us this, you got to have a great vision. Proverbs tells us this, listen guys, we're going to work on the right now because there's a then. When you get there, there is some cool stuff God wants to do in your life. What does a great life look like, okay? First one is they invest, okay? And you know what else they do? When you get them, then you plan. And, and we, we sometimes are a little nervous to plan in the God circle because we want God to plan our days. God can't plan your days if your day belongs to somebody else. So this is actually God planning and investing in your life better, okay? Let me show you Proverbs chapter 24, verse 37. Great scripture. It says, Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. What we do instead of this scripture is we read it backwards. I'm going to build my house, and then I'll work on the field and prepare my work outside. Well, the outside work in the field is what puts money in your pocket, right? But the reason why most people can't ever get the cash flow, get the investment, get the business opportunity going, because they build their house first. One of the coolest stories found in the Old Testament is King David. King David literally built his house, big temple, uh, big, big mansion, okay, it's the king mansion, and he's laying there in bed one day, he's sound asleep, and King David goes, and he woke up. That, that's how he did it. That was so cool. Isn't that great? And he wakes up, okay, and he just dawns on him. He says, I built my house before I built God's house. And he runs to the priest and he goes, I think I made a huge mistake. I built my house 
before I built God's house. And God speaks, this is God speaks, and he says, David, I didn't tell you this. You figured this out on your own. Do you know that before you, all the people, Moses, all the way to you, never thought about what you just thought about? Everybody built their house first and then asked me to fix it, pay for it, do it, but no one looked and saw that I was living in a tent. And God said, thank you. And now I'm going to put in your heart what I'd like for my tabernacle to look like. It's a fantastic story when we sit back and we realize there's grace when we've done something wrong. Okay? And the second thing is, is that God always gives vision where there's a repentant heart. And so if you're in the room and you're like, crap, I, beat, I built my house first. Just chill, okay? Relax, relax. This is a warning, though, for us to realize that you'll be able to do, build whatever house you want to build if we first take a look at what does your work look like? What does your work look like? What does it mean to start the work, to finish the work, to start the work, to finish the work, to start the work, finish the work? And what do the fields in your life look like to where there's a, there's a sowing and there's a harvesting and there's a sowing and there's a harvesting? And if you have the work going and the sowing and the harvesting going, God says then we can build your house. Why get so far in debt that you're never able to experience all the cool things that you could do and the freedom that comes from it? That's a then. To plan better and to invest better. Okay, so now we're going to shift a little bit. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. And we're going to go now and I'm going to talk to you about us. You have an us. Everybody turn to the person next to you and say, you may be my us. Okay, and let me tell you, why us? Everybody has an us. I have an us. Us to me means Heather and Brady and Hudson and, and uh, we're, we're, we're the bean crew. We're the bean pods. Uh, Senor Frijol. It's, 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 it, I mean, I, I love the bean crew, okay? But there's an us. But there's some things that God wants to do in us. And you have an us that Proverbs is very clear on. And this is what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. This is God saying, there's two types of inheritances you're going to leave your us's, okay? And the first one will always be a faith us inheritance. Let me just tell you, I have seen money ruin families. I, I have seen <clears throat> the best kids turn into the most rotten little turds you've ever been around in your life all because faith wasn't the most important thing, but finances were. And I just want to th throw this out there. You can even have faith kids, and they go through a season. But the person who stops and realizes that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, starts with the inheritance that can really only be described as the uh, most important thing to leave your children. After that, Proverbs tells us that it is a God thing for you to leave your children, a financial inheritance. Uh, let me just throw this out there. To all the parents that are here, to all the older folks, there is something that, first of all, has to be said about when 
when someone plans out the cost of their funeral, the planning of their funeral, the celebration of their funeral, and everything that's taken care of so that when the kids show up at your funeral, and this is coming from the pastor, they can celebrate your life instead of being completely overwhelmed of the last three days of everybody who's like, well, they owed me money. They owed me money. That car belongs to me. That, that house belongs to me. Uh, and, and wouldn't you want to get your house in order? And I have seen families not enjoy your celebration day because you didn't take care of the inheritance. Not a big inheritance, but just for starters, to go, kids, it's taken care of. To where they can turn around and go, Whew. okay, for starters. Secondly, and kids, you can amen me here. There's nothing like after the funeral. To where they call everybody together. And dad goes, you get this, and you get this, and you get this, and you get this. That's everything I got. I love you guys. See you later. And without even having to fight over who's who belongs to what, they got their house in order. And it was something that was turnkey. I mean, one of the coolest experiences I ever saw. Uh, my, my wife's family, the Coxes, um, you know them. And one of the coolest things I ever saw in my life is uh, Spud passed away. And when Spud passed away, Spud did not have anything in order, okay? He just simply wrote on a piece of paper, Bobby's in charge. Okay, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story. True story. I thought, oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be a train wreck. You know the Coxes. They're just a bunch of train wreck people. I'm, I'm joking. They're the sweetest people you ever met. I thought, this is not going to go good. This is not going to go good. One of the coolest things I ever saw in my life, every brother and sister folded their hands and let Bobby go do his thing. He was the oldest son. Bobby took several months. We're talking three, four, five months, and he broke everything down. No one asked questions. No one called Bobby and said, when are you going to be done? And one day, Bobby called the whole family and said, hey, everybody come together. And they all came together, and he put out in front of them what everybody got. And he had broken it down to what he thought was the absolute fair breakdown, okay? And he had followed through on some simple instructions that Spud had left him, that he wanted somebody to get something, but there was a very good reason behind it. And he wanted somebody else to get something, there was a very good reason behind it. And anybody could have spoke up and said, that, well, that's not fair, and that's not fair, but Bobby was in charge. And that's what the, paper, the piece of paper said, Bobby is in charge. And when it was all said and done, this is no joke, every brother and sister in the Cox family hugged Bobby and said thank you, and then all the younger brothers and sisters got $1,000 together out of the inheritance they got, pulled it together, called Bobby in, and gave Bobby $1,000 from each one of them to say thank you for what a well job, a good job that he had done. I was very honored to get to be a part of that in my life. They were classy people who trusted somebody who was the older brother, Bobby, and he did it exactly how he was told to do it in a way that he felt like was fair and loving. I wonder if we could all do that. Uh, this was a moment to where you 
could leave an inheritance for your kids to where they celebrate the wisdom that you had and the person that you were. Uh, last and final thing. <clears throat> I, I, I'm going to talk about giving, okay? I'm going to talk about giving. i got a quote I want to throw up there. We got to start giving while we're living because what you're holding is molded. Yeah. Listen, we got to start giving while we're living. 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 You are going to leave a legacy. And a lot of us don't have a lot, but I can promise you this. I have seen a little go a long way and I have seen people have nothing but to put their trust in God and their faith in God and to do some of the things we talked about at the beginning. And you see that all of a sudden they became, became to, they began to use money as a tool instead of being mastered by money. And then all of a sudden I've seen some people who, who once didn't have anything now became some of the biggest blessing people in our community. I never will forget when I was high school rodeoing, a uh, high school rodeo pastor. There was a handful of, pa- of families that completely supported me to get to those high school rodeos. And I thought, that's giving while you're living instead of holding and seeing molding. Uh, they turned to me constantly and said, we just want you to pour into these kids, pour into these kids. And I felt empowered to give those kids my best because there was just a few families who just constantly kept sowing into me. They were living and giving, not holding and molding. This church has had people, this church has had people who just decided this is where God's got me. This is the home God's got me at. And they were giving while they were living instead of holding and letting it mold. So I want to wrap this up and, and, and cover one more thing. There will always be an us in your life but there will always be a them in your life. Always. Always. Who's your them? I, I, I've ministered in some of the wildest places. One of the coolest, toughest places was in downtown Phoenix. It was in downtown Phoenix that I ran a bus route. You know the story. So cool. One of the coolest years of my life, a couple of years of my life, and, and one of the things I realized in that couple years is poor people can't feed poor people. Come on, I mean, think about that. I've seen it with my own eyes. Poor people can't feed poor people. They can have the best intentions. They can be tools. God can give them something through somebody and they can distribute it. I've, I've had poor people help me distribute things, but I've never seen a poor person be able to Help a poor person. So who's your them? Let me throw some ideas out there. When I was a young man, my single mother was raising two boys. And there was a man in our church who decided to help us every possible way he could. He didn't give us money, but he was constantly there to help be that male figure. Um, He had a wife and kids, and they were just a great family. But I never forget one day, my mother had, had, had made some purchases on the credit card, and she was trying to pay that credit card off, and the credit card company had jacked her um, uh, rate up to like 40% on the credit card. And every time she called them, she just would describe it as, um, 
they just bully me. They just bully me. They just bully me. And Mike got tired of it. Mike came to our house. I, ne- I sat at the kitchen table and watched Mike say, hey, this is Mike. Yep. I'm here with Maggie Bean. She's fixed to give me full permission to talk to you. Okay, here she is. And Maggie Bean gets on the phone and says, yes, sir. My credit card number is this. My social security is this. My passcode is this. And now you're about to get Mike. And hands the phone back to Mike. And Mike's mom even said, a man can just do it better than a, a woman can. And that's, that's, not, that's my mom's words. Send her ugly emails. Don't send me ugly emails. <laughs> and Mike gets on the phone and says, you have got to be kidding me that you would do this to a single woman. This woman's trying to raise two boys, carry a household. She's doing this all by her own. And you jack her rate up to 42. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not through talking yet. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. At the end of it, I was scared. I was scared. And Mike shut those guys down and knocked it off and, and, and played the defender for our family. We were his them. We were his them. He helped us in making decisions. And he helped us in saying, you can't afford this. You can't do this. You, you've got to stay on track. We were his them. I think there's single mothers in our community who would love nothing more for you just to figure out, what do you need? What do you need? How can I help you? I think there's foster parents. And this church has so many foster parents. One of the things our church does, and and Clay is so good at it, is the beef program. There's ropers who donate their steers. There's dairy people who donate their their cows, and we get them processed, and we, they return with a two-pound package of hamburger meat, and we, we, we help all the foster families, and then we help the hungry too, and, and this kind of just relieves a little bit of the stress of where's our hamburger going to come from, or if they can save a little bit of money, but then we're fixing to kick off a thing here at Cowboy Junction to where Abby and Chris are kiss, kicking off a big foster program. We're going to help with food. We're going to help with clothing. We're going to help with diapers. We're going to help with um, uh, the the what? The diaper bags and, and car seats and, and um, oh, how'd you get that out of? And, 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 and we, want to, we want to help. We're going to help. We're going to help. And, and it's not just foster parents. It's foster kids. Adoption and fostering has become such a major part of us here at Cowboy Junction. And they can become the them in our life. You know what you could do for foster kids? You could have them come over and ride your horse. Preferably the one that doesn't buck. And they, they never experienced this before. Do you realize that if you just opened your home, hey, we're going to cook for you guys. Come out. Hey, we're going to take you on a ride. We'll ride the, we'll ride the mule. We're not the, like the driving one, not the <laughs> one. And, and, and we, we're going to ride the four-wheeler. Do you realize how a blessing you could be if they became your, if you're them? You can help with clothes. You could turn to a kid that was fostering out of the foster care program in the teenage years and say, I want you to come to work for me. We'll find something to do. We'll sweep out the barn. We'll rake. We'll do whatever. But I want you to have your first job coming to work for me. There's missionaries who need to be supported. There's a young man in our church named Sean who's been for the last 16 weeks trying to raise money to be fully supported. You could change his life by getting on board and supporting him. You go to Africa and see, um, who's our African missionaries? Casey and, Casey, Casey and Brandy. And Indonesia, right? Indonesia with Hunter and Sarah. With Hunter and Sarah. And, and, and oh my gosh, do you think what your next year could look like? 
when all of a sudden they become your them. But you know what you can do? You can honor God with your very best. So here we're going to wrap this up, okay? Where are you? And there's two things I want to provide for you right now in, in asking the question, what does a good life look like? And maybe at the very beginning you're like, money masters my life. Money controls my thoughts. Money controls my heart. Money controls my bank account. Money is my master, okay? Then we're going to sign you up for Financial Peace University. Okay, and what today is, is just a I'm interested day. You're not signing up, but in November, November, December, somewhere there, Clay, Clay's going to teach the Financial Peace University class. Every time we do this, there's like a ton of people that do this, okay? And, and we have some fun things that we do, but this is the wisdom you need to start using money as a tool instead of the master over your life. And this is how you do it. Everybody, get, everybody interested in this, get your phone out, okay? Get your phone out, pull it out, okay? And you're going to text, okay? And you're going to text. When it says, who do you want to text to? Text 97000. 97000. And you're going to text CJ Next Steps. All one word. And then there's going to be this dialogue take place. You're going to choose Financial Peace University, Okay? This is one of the coolest classes there is, bar none, to master, learn how to master finances instead of ma it mastering you, okay? So here you go. That's what we're going to do. So this is just, I'm interested in Clay. I'll get in contact with you, and you can sign up later. But the second thing, this is the last and final thing. We're coming up on the end of the year. And at the end of the year, we're taking up our end of the year offering. It's going to be the end of November. This is a big one for our church because we are going to be breaking ground in the next four-ish weeks, okay? Oh, let me tell you the progress. We are just a couple weeks away from getting our appraisal back, right? The appraisal back. After we get the appraisal back, the bank has already said, guys, y'all look great. You just need the big thumbs up from the big guys and then you'll be moving forward to whether you want to uh, do the whole project or whether you want to do the um, phasing. After that, Lasco's ready to go. They're chomping at the bit. They're ready to get going. But this is, I, I told Heather the other day, I said, do you realize that we are just, we could be a month away from everything just being destroyed out here. Just completely, utterly, JCA messed up, the parking messed up, everything in total confusion, and it'd be the best thing ever. So we need to start praying. What is God turning to you and your family and saying, get this number ready? Because this is what I want your family to do for the end of the year offering at Cowboy Junction Church. <laughs> Guys, what does a good life look like? And I hope today kind of set the palette a little bit about money and what the Bible says about it in your life so that you can go experience everything God wants you to experience in who He is and what He wants to do with you 
But I'd like to pray for you. Can I, can I pray for you real quick? Lord, I pray for my friends. Money masters us because we let it. And Jesus, we just, right now all over this room, we just want to be honest. And we want to repent. We want to say we're sorry for making money our God, for worrying about something, for letting it steal our thoughts and it steals our joy and it steals our faith. Oh, my gosh. And the fact is it can master us. And Jesus, the truth is we need to be real honest. We need you more than we need stuff. We need you, Father, more than we need things. So, Father, we repent. All over this room, there's some people that just need to say, God, I'm sorry. Father, I'm sorry. And Jesus, right now, we want to turn to you and say, would you turn this around? And Father, would you free our heart up to wisdom and knowledge to choose what you want for our life. And then at the same time, Father, would you free our hearts up so that we can be generous and do the things that you've called us to do. This is what a good life looks like. is when we put our faith in you and we realize that everything we have came from you. And now show us what to do to be good stewards over what you've given us. Father, we love you, we trust you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Okay, so listen, our prayer team is right over here, and they'd love to pray with you. If there's anything that you're just, it's weighing on your heart, anything you're just, just not ready to, to, to just let, to walk out on just yet, they'd love, they'd love to pray with you. Um, if today you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I would love to tell you more about how you can have a relationship with the King of Kings, the Creator of the universe, the one who's for you, not against you. And I'm going to go right over here in the corner, and I would love to tell you more about that if it's something you're interested in. Guys, it's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. You guys have a great week in the Lord. See you later.